We're beginning. We're going to begin or continue through Mark 11 uh, this morning. So, if you want to have your Bibles out, I will be in chapter 11, finishing out the chapter, verses 27 through 33. Um, so, many of you already know. Uh, I think through social media, uh, what our week was, um, and I thought a lot, prayed a lot of how I wanted to begin this sermon. Um, and yeah, so I think for those of you that don't know, uh, our, (laughs) I knew it was probably going to be a bad idea if I did this sermon, but as I was driving in this morning, uh, earlier in the week, I said, no, 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 the Lord's got it. And as I drove in, I thought, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through it. Um, so we, we miscarried, uh, this last week, um, and uh, yeah, it's been a hard, a hard week uh, with, with that. Uh, and it's uh, our second uh, miscarriage and a week later than the last one. And so, uh, so many feelings of confusion and just not understanding what God is doing or allowing. I think one of the things that Sydney said um, was just... I don't want to suffer anymore. In her life, I mean, she's actually going through it. I'm on the sidelines um, with, with this. Uh, and I've, I just felt that for her this week, um, for all the things. And if you've known much of her life, she's had a lot of suffering, a lot of death and pain of losing her brother when she was 16. And so... I had that same question this week. And the reason I tell you at the beginning of this sermon is to, is to give you an idea of, of how I've been processing this passage of the authority of Christ. Not so that you would, we would know and you know, start the sermon feeling bad a little bit, um, but to, for you to have that context instead of me waiting to the end for the application and go, here's the application I had to deal with the authority of Christ and what does it mean that God is overall. I'll start it with that. Uh, that that's that's where, where I've been coming from this week. And I also tell you because you guys are our family, an extension of our family. And, and, and from the beginning, I know that there's a lot of people who fr- process trauma and, and grief in different ways. Um, but, but for us, uh, we, we lay it out there because we've been loved. In this last week, I wanted to thank all the people we haven't thanked because we just haven't been able to, that have reached out, that have sent us something, um, that's just sent flowers or whatever it might be. Uh, thank you. This is what the body is about, because all of us are going through pain. Maybe not in this season. Maybe you're going, no, my, my, I'm doing great. But I know that that was many of our feelings over all of 2020 was pain, confusion, hurt, And it hasn't just stopped. It wasn't just that year. It wasn't just because of COVID that that was when life began to get hard. Life is hard and there is death and pain. And that is why God gave us the family of God. And so we're grateful for you guys. And so this, as I put it together, has been put together and thought about uh, sitting in the hospital this week. Uh, and, And I'm not saying it as well that 
Nathan offered to cover this week. Uh, Ray Menegas offered to cover. Kenny said, hey, are you sure? And I didn't say because I said, no, 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 I'm going to do it because I agreed to do something and I will do it. That is something that I would say. But, but, but really, as I, I talked to Sydney about it, um, is that I think that the authority of God, he knew when I agreed a couple months ago to do this this week, he knew it was going to happen. And it, you know, maybe he wanted me to not talk about it, but I, I think he did. I think he wanted me to talk about this. This is the reality of our life. And if we want to mean what we say, if we really believe the things that we're going to talk about this morning that Jesus says that he is, then we have to mean it. We have to live it. So there's the application. I'll see you guys later. Um, <laughs> so if you read with me, we're going to read the passage in Mark 11. Starting in verse 27. And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Well, why, do you not believe, or why, why did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? Then they were actually afraid of the people, for they all held that John, the people, all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. And Jesus said to them, Then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. And this is the Lord's word. So the first point for this morning, as we look at verses 27 through 28, is the authority of Christ matters. The authority of Christ matters. So it says, they came to, again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, by what authority are you doing these things, or who gave you this authority? They weren't wrong in asking that. That's not the part that Jesus has a, a real problem with necessarily, because where Jesus is getting the authority to do what he's doing and to say what he's saying matters because what he's saying are some pretty authoritative things. What he's doing is implying a lot of authority. Uh, now, I'm going to go, I'm going to have you guys, I'm going to go a little bit like youth group style, how I, I'm not going to make you guys stand up a bunch and we're not going to play any games. Uh, maybe. But who is ever, a raise of hands, I mean, Maybe you don't want to, but who's ever been pulled over by the police? All right, we're being honest here. That's a good job, you guys. All right, we're not saying what for. We don't have to have that time period. Uh, it, probably something with, with, with driving, I think. And now here's one. Who's ever been told by, by someone, right? By someone, maybe it's a you know, parent, grandma, they say, they say, hey, you can go five to ten over. Nobody cares. Who's been told that before? All right, some of you are honest. Some of you are like, no, no, no. I know that I, that was kind of a, I don't know who first told me that, but it was definitely told to me a lot, right? It doesn't matter. They don't, they're, the police are worried about bigger things than you going five miles over. Now I'm interested, who's ever been pulled over for going five miles over? Anybody? There you go. Some people have, all right? 
so I better watch out for wherever she was driving. She was also probably driving like backwards somewhere else, I don't know. Um, so where we get that information that, hey, it doesn't, doesn't really matter, you have to ask the person like, on what authority are they saying that to you? Because it will affect your life if you live by whatever that person's giving you this little secret about saying, hey, it doesn't matter. You know, maybe it's, uh, I know growing up, we used to go to movies a lot, and it would always be like, hey, sneak your own candy in there. They, never, they don't care. Just do it. They don't, you know, and then it's like, no, no, my friend, my brother's brother works at the theater, all right? And, 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 and he, his, his sister-in-law said, it doesn't matter. She's never going to check it, right? So then we do. And then, and then, you know, you have your friends who are like, hey, it doesn't matter. Just bring in, I had some friends that would bring in like whole meals, right? Some of you guys in here know that. You have a friend or you're the one who does that, bring in like some pizza and they pull it out and they're eating like this, you know, Whopper or something in there. We get this information, but it, it matters how we'll take that depending on, on whether authority, right? Some random person telling you to not worry about it as opposed to the person who's actually in control matters. So, when they're asking this question, on, on whose authority are you doing this? This is not the wrong question. And it, you have the quote on your outline. It says, what Jesus had done since his arrival at Jerusalem and the way people have responded to it had constituted a claim to authority which cannot be ignored by those who have the official responsibility for the religious and communal life of the city. And the challenge on verse 28 comes as no surprise. So this whole time, as Jesus has been doing this ministry, we've had little interactions here and there with the religious authorities, right? He's talking to most likely the Sanhedrin right now. That's the religious authority coming forward, and they've been watching him. His ministry, already to this point, had had so much authority through, through the crowds that, that people were listening to him, that they were watching him. And you see little interactions here or there. But now when he gets to the city, what we've been talking about the last few weeks, and you've, have you've missed those weeks, I'd encourage you to listen back because Jesus had specifically done, as he's in Jerusalem, poked at not just the, everything that he's been talking about up to this point, but now he's in the temple. He's declaring authority over the temple. He's, he's given rules and, and regulations about the Sabbath. He has now said that he can, he can, he can forgive sins. He's now saying that he can also raise from the dead. He's now covered every basis that he's saying that he has authority over those things. And so when the, when the religious leaders come forward and the Sanhedrin asks him, where do you get this authority? It's right. We should be asking that question as well as we've read this story. If you erased everything you already knew about who Jesus was and you don't know the end of the story, and you're reading about this guy, you should be asking, what's going on? Where is he getting this authority from? But as we, we also know, and we're going to get into this in a moment, but we know that they weren't really asking like hopefully we'll, we're asking. Because they actually already knew the answer, as you kind of see in their response, because they were the gatekeepers of all, all the religious ideas there for, for Judaism. And what they were asking is essentially, we know that you didn't get this authority through us. That's what they're saying. Because they're saying, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you authority to do them? What they're saying is, we didn't give you the authority to come in 
in to declare these things at the temple. We didn't give you that authority, so we know that it's not right. And so Jesus does something amazing here where he asks them a question with a question, right? And that's not actually a, a way that he's trying to get around answering their question. It was common that rabbis would, when a question was asked, they would ask a question back. But Jesus, in classic Jesus way, he one-ups even that idea where he's not just simply asking a question, but he's cutting right into their heart. He's making them have to make a, a very specific choice. And so Jesus can do this same thing in our lives, because what Jesus will do is he will reveal your real priorities. That's the next point on your outline here. Jesus will reveal your real priorities. Jesus said to them, I will ask one question, answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And so in asking this question, Jesus is now tying himself to an important thing as we take a, a, a thousand foot view of this, an important piece of, of who he is as Christ. He's asking and connecting the, the ministry of John and what John was doing as John the Baptist in his own ministry. And we have had that story and that you've probably heard before, even if you didn't catch it this series, where, where John is baptizing Jesus. And in that baptism, you have the skies open up and the father says, this is my son of whom I'm well pleased. And you have the Holy Spirit descend as a dove. And you have this moment where, where God is saying, this is my son. This is what we will know to be the Messiah. And so in asking this question, Jesus is also showing where he's align, aligning himself. But Jesus is also asking it because he's revealing their true motives. He's revealing what they're actually talking about. Because I think we know this, is that often our questions, or our inquiries are not about revealing truth. Our questions are actually maybe trying to get around the truth that we already know. You see, this word that says that they discussed their answer is not them going like, okay, let's really think about this. Let's talk about the things that Jesus has done. Let's talk about his ministry. Let's talk about his life. Let's talk about his, where he was born in the prophecy. They weren't discussing that. This word discussed appears seven times in Mark, and it's always in the context of people trying to evade the force of Jesus' words or claim on them. So that word discussed literally means they're trying to get away from what he's saying. Jesus said something clear. He says, you guys are going to have to make a choice. Do you think that John was truly from heaven? So what that means, he's saying, was God over his ministry or was man over this. And he says, I want you guys to actually make it and they go and say, okay, how can we get out of this question? Because right, clearly he, he knows where we're going from. All right. And he knows that we're trying to trap him. So how can we get around this truth? And so if Jesus is revealing their priorities between either that they are denying God's work or what do they end up doing is they also just value the crowd. They said the crowd likes them. So we don't want to make them mad, even though we, we don't agree with them. But also, we don't believe that God's doing anything. And so they try to pick this lane where they say, well, we don't know. What are the guys are supposed to know everything. What did they even come there with a question if they didn't know? But my, my, where I see you and I here is that when, when, when Jesus comes before us with very clear ideas of how we're supposed to live our life, how we're supposed to do things in this world, our questions often reveal more about ourselves than they do what we're trying to get answered. 
You know, maybe we have asked things in our lives of like, well, how far is too far with this line, God? How, how much is too much? Or just plainly asking, did you really mean it this way? When I read this scripture here, it's very, it's very difficult to, to like that. Did you really mean that? Because we can remember in the garden, that was the very first thing that the serpent does as he twists God's word. He goes, did he really mean that you couldn't do that? Did he really say that you would surely die? He didn't, he didn't mean that, did he? And so that's wired into us to go and question. But what Jesus does in response is not just tell us, you're wrong, here's the right answer. He does an amazing thing where he says, I want you to think about why you'd answer this way. I want you to think about what you're asking me. And this is on your outline as well, this quote. It says, those who cannot be honest with themselves cannot be honest about Jesus. See, these these leaders were not being honest with themselves. What they were holding on to was not trying to see if God was actually working in that time. They were holding on to the power that they had. Their, their understanding of what they wanted God to do and how the Messiah was supposed to look and work in their time. That's what they were concerned with. But they weren't being honest about those things. And therefore, they could not understand who Jesus was. Warren Wiersbe also says this. It says that for a very good reason, God does not teach us a new truth if we've rejected the truth he's already revealed. And so in your life, you might be asking questions about what God has for you. And I would say that those are probably good questions. It's good to discuss and think about the deeper truths of scripture. But often, are you following just the simple ones? Or have you kind of argued your way out of that? I know some of you have kids in here And who has ever had a child that has tried to worm their way out of a punishment, right? I asked you to clean your room. Okay, 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 okay. Then they become a lawyer all of a sudden. They say, excuse me, your honor. Could I approach the bench? Um, That's that's what we, we, we think that, oh my goodness. No, I told you this direct thing to do and you didn't do it. But how often do we go to God and we say, okay, God, I want to talk to you about my theories about the end times. And God goes, hey, but are you like loving your neighbor though? And you go, okay, just a second, Lord. Let me tell you about this. And he says, hey, but are you full of peace and kindness and goodness? Okay, well, I'm working on that stuff, but I'd like to discuss this other thing, God. You see, what God does for us is, what what Jesus does for you and I is asks great questions. And so what I want us to see here. And I know that I've, I've talked about it before, and we don't have to raise our hands for this, of who's ever been in counseling, but I think you should be proud of it anyway, it's fine. Because the fact is, is we have the greatest counselor, and he trains us, and maybe you, you've been like me or some other people where you've gone into a meeting with somebody, and you walk out, and they're just asking you a bunch of questions, Right? If they're a good counselor, they're probably just sitting and asking you a bunch of questions, and you're going in there going, no, 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 I want you to solve this problem over here that I have. I would like you to just tell me what, the, what I should do in the five steps, and this is how I'll fix it. And then they just keep asking you questions, and you're like, you're not hearing me, okay? Please listen. Tell me what to do. And what Jesus does is he comes before them, and he says something. He says, let me ask you a bunch of questions, because as every good counselor knows, you have to come to the realization. You have to be asked enough questions that you go, oh, yeah, I already knew that. Or... That it was so obvious. And so don't be afraid of allowing Jesus to ask you questions. In this scenario, 
the leaders, the Sanhedrin did not, they didn't want to answer it. So they just go, I don't know. I don't want to think about it. Don't be that. So as we continue on here, the next idea, because we see where their authority is based, right? As, as they deal with this question, they go, all right, I don't want to deal with it, is because they are saying where their true authority in their life is. So the next point in our outline is this, what authority has your devotion? What authority has your devotion? It said, and they discussed with one another saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But if we say, or then they say, but shall we say from man? And they were afraid of the people for they all held that John was really a prophet. So what authority has your devotion? What, what are you devoted to? Because we can look at these stories of, of, of the Sanhedrin and these leaders and we go, man, they are just, I can't believe them. I mean, Jesus was healing these people. He just goes in and declares authority over the temple. He's been, he, he, he rode in and triumphant entry. I mean, there's, there's just so many signs. Why could they not believe him? Well, they had a lot of really good reasons to not believe him. Like they would lose all of their power. That, that if, they, if they believed him, it would mean that they would have to change the way that they thought God was going to work in their lives. And so for you and I, we have to ask ourselves, when there is a clear directive from God, when God has called you to do something very clearly, and you, oh, I don't like that, what's, what's drawing you away from that directive of Christ? So for them, first, it's the authority of power. They believed that they were the final authority. That's how they asked that question. They said, hey, who gave you the authority to do this? Which one of us gave you this authority? And so then they discussed their way around this question. But then the other authority was the masses. So they didn't believe that John was from God. And they don't believe that Jesus is from God. But they never stood up to any of that, even though they believed it. Because they were afraid that all the people really liked those two guys. Seemed like everybody liked them. So they kept their mouth shut. They didn't want to anger the public. And so when you hear something from scripture, you know that you are called to live out this difficult truth. Is your first thought, and how is this going to make me look though? I mean, are people going to be mad about this? I know that you can be on it. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're like, no, I like it that everyone's going to be mad at me. That's probably a different problem. Um, but I know that for me, I think about that, that the keeping to a historical, biblical, sexual gender ethic now is very unpopular. And so I do think about that. How, how will people respond to me? As I'm with uh, families from, from Everett School, and I talk to them, I tell them, yeah, I, I work at this church, I'm a pastor up here at this church. In the back of my mind, I'm going, okay, I gotta be ready that this could go south. And is my response going to be out of fear of the masses that I go, ah, it's no big deal, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Because that's easier, and I think a lot of us fall into that, right? We'd rather just kind of be ambiguous and then maybe wait for another time that this, this truth would come out. But that's where Jesus is coming at the same here. No, no, I want you to make the choice right now. You're going to come to me in public at the temple and say, where did you get this authority? Then he says, all right, I'll put you guys on the spot. Why don't you tell everybody what you really think about John? Because everyone's a big fan of that guy. And they go, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. See you later. 
where your, where your devotion is, if it's to how people see you. But maybe for you, it's not that. You, you, you believe in standing on the truth of God, even in the face of opposition. Well, maybe you're similar to when Jesus talks to the rich young ruler and he goes, hey, I've done this. I've listened to my parents. I'm doing great. And Jesus goes, that's awesome. Why don't you try giving away your fortune? And he goes, yeah, I'm gonna think about that. Or he says, uh, I don't know about that. So some of you, I know that we have an amazing church that is so, so giving and takes care of so many people. We've received so many gifts just this week. But for maybe some of us, it's that. That the real question, when it comes down to it, that there's a point where it's uncomfortable for us to be that sacrificial. That even if God has called us to not live, to store up in storehouses here, but instead to live with an eternal perspective. Maybe for you it's something else interpersonally. Maybe it's loving this enemy and you go, but you don't understand what they've done to me. You have to ask yourself, who is the real authority in your life? Because it's either going to be yourself and your power and your standing and you don't want to lose it, or it's going to be everyone else in the world is the authority. So whatever they're saying is right or wrong or doesn't matter or does matter, that's the things that you care about. It's really stylish to care about this thing in justice right now, so I'll care about it. But then the second that no one cares, well, then I'm not going to care about people anymore. Because the fact is, is many of those things we're supposed to just care about all the time. We're supposed to care about the poor and the needy. We're supposed to care about sexual ethics. We're supposed to care about all of these things all of the time, but do we only care about it just because it's kind of the thing everyone's sharing on Facebook a bunch? Or is your authority Christ? Is your authority God who has revealed himself in scripture and that's where you go? And that's a hard thing to live out. The quote on your outline from, from John Piper says this, the risen reigning king of kings and lord of lords reigns over this world and over his mission with absolute sovereignty. Nothing is outside his sovereign will. If he meets with resistance, he either allows it for his purposes or he overcomes it for his purposes. Sovereign purposes are never thwarted. That's who Christ is saying that he is. In this final point here. It says, if Jesus is who he says he is, only complete submission can be our response. I gave you a big, a bunch of blanks to have to fill in. It's going to take you a couple minutes. But he says, if Jesus is who he says he is, only complete submission can be our response. There is only one response because he says, so they answered Jesus, we don't know. And Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And this is, he is, he is referring back to his original question, that if, G, if John is from God, from heaven, if John is from God, then my ministry, Jesus' ministry, is from heaven. And he, the, the next time that he will make a clear declaration is when we find him in front of Gentiles. We find him in front of Pilate. And so he's still continuing to ask these questions, not just to tell them what he thinks that they need to hear, but he's telling them, you need to think through, who do you say that I am? But he is saying who he is. Through everything that he's done up to this point has clearly said who he is. That he's told people that their sins are forgiven, that he's healed over the body, that he's calmed the storm and calmed the world, that he has reached out and declared authority over the Sabbath, the Lord's day. He's declared what that means. He has then gone and declared authority over the temple and, and pushed out the moneylenders. 
He said over and over that my authority comes from God and it is God's authority through me. And I know that you guys have probably heard this before. I know we've talked about it. I believe it was kind of one of the sermon titles at one point. But uh, the liar, lord, or lunatic, liar, lunatic, or lord, that, that option where you have either he's lying about all of these things or he is a crazy person or he is the Lord. So that's what I mean when, when they were asking these questions, hey, where's this authority come from? Who are you? That is the question that we're supposed to be asking as well as we read through this. Who is this? Who is this that he could calm the storm? Who is this that he could forgive sins? Who is this that he declares authority over the temple of God? And so if he is who he is saying he is through what he is doing, that he is God, then the only response that we could have is complete submission, is to listen to every word that he has to say, is to live out the words that he has said. And so, this morning, our question is, and the question that I have come to this week is, do I believe who he says he is? Because it's very easy to believe who God says he is if you feel like you're in a season of blessing. That you're just, man, everything's going right. My kids are all perfect. They always listen to me. Uh, you know, the schools are going great. You know, my, my grades are perfect. All of my friends are awesome. Uh, I feel great. My health is great. And you go, yeah, Jesus. It's awesome. But do I believe who he says he is in the midst of a trial? And so this last week, as we felt hopes that we had gone, things that we, 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 we saw as a blessing from God taken away, do I believe that he's good? Do I believe that he has my best interests in his hands? Do I believe that he truly cares for me? Because if our answer to who Jesus is is that he is God in the flesh and has the authority to heal, to save, to conquer, if he has that authority, then our answer needs to be, the only logical answer is yes. That he does, he does love me. That the truth of his promises that he said that, that for those that love me, he will take care of. The promises in the Psalms that, that God is near to the brokenhearted. And so maybe for you, it's looking again at your priorities and what your devotion is. For some, for some, in some seasons, the easy way to look at that is to look at your schedule and say, where am I spending the most time? What has my devotion? Most of us that are, have jobs, a lot of our hours are going to be at work, which is good. Work is good. It was before the fall God gave work, but work became bad because of the fall. But you have to look at your time and how you are thinking and spending it and say, where, Jesus, ask me a hard question. Ask me a hard question in my life. Maybe it's looking at your checkbook. Maybe it's just Jesus looking at you and saying, who do you say that I am? What is your life saying about who I am? Because choosing Christ is choosing the greatest reward of all. That in the midst of, of difficulty, that he is the same God who will, who will be with you and comfort you. And I can't imagine going through the different trials that we have or, or walking alongside trials with some of you that if I didn't believe that God would have a plan, 
that God could use it. That God used our, our first miscarriage with all of the relationships that came from that. All of the people that Sydney was able to comfort and, and talk with. It doesn't make the bad thing good. The bad things are still bad. God still hates them. But what he promises, he says, I won't let it go to waste. Let some of you know that there, there is a book, a book by John Piper that is, uh, you know, don't waste your cancer. But it goes with, all, with, with everything. Don't, don't waste those things because God, he is allowing terrible things into our lives often. Sometimes he saves us from many of those and we give him so much praise for that. But we also have pain that comes into our life. And it's not to just hurt us. That's the enemy. His desire is that we would be hurt and discouraged and give up. But God says that I want to give you my strength and my hope. And so the, the last quote on your outline before we close up here is, is this. We feel strongly that we have the right, even the obligation, to select what parts of Jesus' teaching we can accept and what parts we cannot. But that makes no sense. Why should you trust him as your savior if you're wiser and smarter than he is? Either he is who he said he is and his views judge our views or he was lying or deluded about being the son of God. It makes no sense to not give our full and complete submission to him if Christ is who he says he is. And so on what authority, first and foremost, did Jesus do his ministry? He is telling us in this passage as he allows them to not answer, he says, my authority is from God. God has given me this authority. And then the second question that you ask is, on what authority am I living my life? Am I the one that's in the driver's seat? Am I making all the decisions? Am I the one that says what we're going to spend our time on, what we're going to spend our money on? Am I the one that allows our life to fill up with all of these distractions and infinite things that we could spend our time on to do here? Or am I laying myself under the authority of Christ? And saying, first and foremost, what do I need to do to bring you glory? Uh, a couple weeks ago, we were at a conference. And I'll close with this. We were at a conference. And uh, we met this wonderful couple that had a, an amazing story. They were a couple other youth ministers from across the country. And they had an amazing story of their life and marriage. He used to be uh, a pro football player. And, and they met. And God did some amazing stuff in their life. But as we were chatting with them, we were talking about our contexts and and one of the things we were talking about is that there's this disconnect between folks that, that are following Jesus, or say they love Jesus as their savior, but have they allowed him to be the authority and Lord of their life? And what I mean by that is that you'd find people that go, yeah, I mean, Jesus saved me from my sins. I'm so thankful. He paid the price for me. So they made a way for my faith. But then if you look at their life, that's where their relationship with Jesus ends, is that he saved them. Saved them for all the bad stuff that he've done. But have they taken the step to call Jesus their Lord? Because if he is the authority to save us from our sins and heal us, he is also the authority that deserves our attention to follow and to listen to and to ask ourselves hard questions. Because it's not when uh, there's the story in Matthew 7 that Jesus says to those that did good things their whole life. They get to heaven and they go, yeah, Jesus, we did all this great stuff for you. And Jesus looks at them and he goes, I don't know you. And sends them away. That's not necessarily just supposed to make us afraid for our faith and go, well, I, just, I guess I can never know. No. 
Jesus is saying, I've laid it out clearly what I want you to do. He says, know me, love me, listen to me, allow me to direct your life. That's what I want to do. I don't just want one little piece of you. I don't just want to heal this part of you, but I want the whole thing, not just, not just one little part. I want the whole thing, and it's for your good and for the glory of God. It's for the, to help you through those times, to give Jesus everything, and to say, it's your plan. I don't understand this, but it's your plan. But then to also say, I will be used by you and used through you. And so this morning, I just call us to live our life under the only authority that we can trust. Not yourself, not the world, only authority of Christ is the authority we can trust. Bow your heads with me. Father, again this morning, we thank you for the time that we could gather together and sing worship to you, to come before your table and thank you for the work that you've done on the cross through Christ. But also be reminded that we are, we are not supposed to be the final authority in our lives, but instead, Christ is the authority that we follow. We pray these things in Christ's name, amen. As, as Sydney was talking with Everett and explaining uh, that we wouldn't be able to meet the baby in person, uh, and she started crying, Everett put his hand on her chest and he said, be strong, be brave, and God's with you. And that's something we say to him. And obviously, Sydney started crying more for that to be locked into our hearts. Be strong, be brave, God is with you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. We'll go in peace and greet one another as we leave this morning.